Well, we've been following the story of uh, Joseph, Joseph the patriarch. Um, there was another Joseph. We'll be hearing more about him at Christmas time. Joseph of Joseph and Mary fame. This is the guy he's named after, Joseph the patriarch, one of the one of the original leaders of the of the people of Israel. His father was Israel, in fact. So we've been we've been following the story of Joseph over the last several weeks, and he's been um, really kind of knocked around a lot. He's had a tough a tough set of circumstances, but things are beginning to look up for him. And the reason for that is that Pharaoh is desperate. Pharaoh has heard a message from beyond, but he can't understand it. Pharaoh, Pharaoh knows that, that the, the, the people in the next world, somehow or another, he has received a message. He doesn't understand exactly how, but we all know the Egyptians were, were very big on the next world, right? They built gigantic pyramids that still stand today because of their concern for the next world. And Pharaoh has received an express letter from the next world telling him something, and he has no idea what it says. Put yourself in his shoes. Imagine uh, you go home today, and there's there's a special delivery truck waiting to give you something, and it's all on White House paperwork, and it's it's official, and you've got to sign for it, but you can't open it up. Imagine that circumstance. Pharaoh is desperate to know what's inside this envelope. But he can't read it. He can't understand what is this message that he's been given from the next world. His court magicians are useless. Their whole job is to do things like this, to interpret it. He turns to them and they say, I don't have a clue, your majesty. What is Pharaoh to do? Well, luckily... Two years ago, he had thrown the cupbearer in jail. And the cupbearer says, hey, you know, I did time with this guy in prison. And his name was Joseph. He was a, he was a foreigner. He was a Hebrew. And he had the ability to interpret dreams. And he says, he, you know, me and the, the baker, we both dreamed and our dreams both came true exactly as Joseph had predicted. And, and Pharaoh says, Pharaoh says, well, you know, how, how did that happen? Where is he? Is he still around? He says, send for him, get him over here. So, so they send for Joseph. He's, he's in the, um, dungeon and he's hurriedly brought out of the dungeon and, um, uh, brought before Pharaoh. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, Pharaoh says, <laughs> sorry, I'm finding it here. Pharaoh says, I've had a dream. Uh, and um, no one here can interpret it. I've heard it said you can. And he says, well, not me, um, God, but sure, tell me and God will, God will give you a favorable answer. And so he explains the dream, these, these two dreams that, that, that echo one another, the, the cows, the fat cows followed by thin cows, and then the, the, the full ears of grain followed by uh, uh, stunted ears of grain, seven of each. And Joseph says, the, that that indicates years of plenty followed by years of famine. There'll be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And then the, the doubling of the dream, he says, means that God is very serious about this. It's going to happen right away. He says, um, God has told Pharaoh what he's going to do. And the doubling means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Wouldn't it be cool if God sent you dreams like Pharaoh? I mean, you know, this problem is going to be incredibly serious. And Pharaoh gets tipped off to it beforehand. 
I don't know how many of you have seen the movie O oh, oh, oh Brother Where Art Thou? Um, it's it's a movie by the Coen Brothers, and that says all kinds of things. So, um, but it's also got a unique soundtrack. It's got this kind of folky Southern music soundtrack. And the person who produced it was a man named T Bone Burnett, and and he's worked with everybody in Hollywood. He's won awards. He's um, he's uh, made records. He made a record years ago, 25 years ago, in fact, called The Talking Animals. And there's a song on it called The Story, The Strange Story of Frank Cash in the Morning News, uh, Morning Paper. And in this story, he talks about a man who has gotten himself in a hole because he's a gambler and he's always betting on horses and he's always losing. And so he rents a place down on Lonely Street. He was looking for some place to hide. And um, the paper would come through the, the hole in the door every morning and he'd go through the classifieds. And one day he noticed, uh, to his amazement, that the, the, the race results were for the previous day's races, but the football scores were for next week's games. And a switchboard lit up in Frank's brain. He felt strange and a little deranged. And so that night he put ten grand on the debt, on the Jets. Ten grand he didn't have on the Jets. And then the song goes on. He wins. He wins all summer long, I mean, all, all year long, and buys a sprawling estate on the lake. And you think about that, and you say, wouldn't that be cool if you could get tipped off to something that's going to happen in the future? If you could get some early advance inside information about the future. The, the, may, maybe it's too much to ask for the football scores for next week's games, but maybe something that is, that is positive and good and not just selfish. If you could be like Pharaoh... And find out something that would help you alleviate human suffering, right? People are going to starve. He can help. Wouldn't it be great? In fact, it's so great. Why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't God give us dreams like that? Why doesn't God give us dreams so we can be involved in, in helping to alleviate human suffering? So that we can, we can make the world a better place. Well, I think he does but not the kind of dream that Pharaoh got. You see, there's two dreamers in this story, right? That's what we remember from from weeks ago when we first met Joseph. What did we find out about Joseph? Joseph is a dreamer too. The whole reason Joseph's been in trouble for the last 13 years is he's a dreamer. He dreamed something that disturbed his brothers, and they said, let's kill him. And then they said, well, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. So down to Egypt he went. He's been in slavery or in prison for 13 years. But Joseph is a dreamer. But there's a difference between Joseph and Pharaoh. Joseph dreams with his eyes open. See, I don't know, I don't know if, if Joseph still dreams at night, but he dreams with his eyes open. Somehow, the, the 13 years he's had of hard knocks has changed him, and now he dreams with his eyes open. Look, look at the situation. An hour ago, Joseph was in a dungeon. He'd been in a dungeon two years we know of. And then beyond that, some fraction of the previous 11 years. We don't know how long. Five years, six years. He'd been in a dungeon for seven, eight years maybe. And now he's been brought in front of the king of Egypt, the king of the most powerful country in the ancient world. And he's just done him a favor. If Joseph plays his cards right, he can get a pardon. He can get 
he can get maybe some kind of financial reward. If he's really careful, he can say, hey, Pharaoh, you should add me to your staff of magicians because you never know when a dream might come up, you might want me on staff, right? Put me on retainer. If Joseph played his cards right, he could do pretty well out of this. That would be the smart thing to do. But Joseph doesn't play the smart game. What Joseph does is Joseph dreams. Joseph tells Pharaoh what to do. He hasn't been asked. Pharaoh's got a room full of people. The whole throne room is full of people who will advise him if he condescends to ask them. Hey, admiral. Hey, general. Hey, vizier. Hey, prime minister. Tell me what I should do now that I understand the problem. But he hasn't asked anybody, much less this stinking Hebrew slave. But Joseph volunteers it. Look what he says. He says, Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh. Now, see, when when you're talking to a king, you're supposed to use the third person, your majesty, stuff like that, right? You never say you, right? But this is an instruction. He's telling him, hey, Mac, here's what you're going to do. He says, you better get on this. What you're going to do, Pharaoh, is you're going to select a man. Let Pharaoh select a man. Let Pharaoh proceed. Let them gather all the food. Let them lay up grain. Let them keep it. Joseph gives the king of Egypt a laundry list of things to do. The stenographer is over in the corner wondering, should I write this down? You know, you don't give the king instructions, but that's a whole lot of stuff to remember. What should I do? Joseph seizes the opportunity because he has a dream of making the world a better place. He says, God has given Pharaoh this opportunity to keep people from starving. He says, let them do all this so that they shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine so the land may not perish through the famine. I think that's the kind of dreams God gives so that the world can be a better place. See, I think I think when we ask the question, why doesn't God give us dreams? Why doesn't God give us inside information like Pharaoh got? Why don't we get that kind of tip? I think the answer from God is, why don't you act on the dreams I've given you? Why don't you act on the dreams that I've given you for making the world a better place? We know why we don't, right? Inertia. A lot of us might as well be in a dungeon. We're not going to act. doesn't matter what the dream is but we're not going to do it. It's just too much. And unless somebody fetches us out of the dungeon and brings us into a situation, we're not going to act. Uh, maybe maybe one of the reasons is we're concerned about having to change. There's a, there's a fascinating little line here. You can pass over it here. Uh, it, says, it says, they hurriedly went and fetched, fetched um, Joseph. Um, it says, uh, Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, now changing clothes you understand, right? He's wearing rags and they're infested with lice and so forth. You don't want that in the royal throne room, right? I understand that. What about the shaving? Well, he hasn't shaved. He's been down in the dungeon. They don't have razors down there. But but why did he shave? See, that's a big deal. And we can pass over it. If you think back to King Tut or you know any pictures of Egyptians you've ever seen, they're clean shaven, Right? But if you look at the people from the the Middle East, people from from Canaan, people from Israel, people from Syria, 
They have beards. They wore beards. Egyptians did not. Joseph, in order to be taken seriously in that throne room, has to change. In order to be understood, he has to change to adapt to his context, the Egyptian context. I think one of the reasons we don't act on our dreams is because we know we'll have to change. And then, of course, there's fear, just plain fear. Fear of looking silly, right? Who wants to look like some kind of an idealist, right? You know, well, he's getting started on that again. Don't don't talk. Oh, goodness, you got him started. Okay, now he's going to tell you all about, you know, uh, glow lamps in Africa. Or he's going to tell you about uh, pedal pedal tricycles for people in, in uh, Central America. You know what he's like. He's going to tell you about fair trade coffee. He's going to start in on that thing he does, right? We all know people like that, and we don't want to be them. We don't want to be the idealist who's got the dream. And, of course, there's fear of failure. We're afraid of failing. What if we spend our whole life beating our head against a wall and it's still around when we die? Well, you know, famine is still around. Joseph didn't stop all famines from ever happening. All Joseph did is he worked on the famine that was confronting him. So maybe our understanding of failure is wrong. God asks us, why don't you act on the dreams I give you? So what dream has God given you? What dream is God calling you to step into? What dream is God calling you to devote your life to? You know, you may have seen the slide, the picture of Vanessa graduating. She devoted her life for the last couple of years to getting through nursing school. She is going to make the world a better place because of that. We just heard today about how Robin is is finishing up her dream and maybe for a lot of the last year her nightmare of getting through Job Corps. We've heard about how Kyla has taken on a new responsibility for her nephew. What dream is God calling you to sign up for, to get involved in? This church, really every church, has two purposes. The first one, the first one is to create a safe place so that people can meet Jesus. They can find out there's a God who doesn't hate them. They can meet Jesus and they can work out whatever, whatever they have to do so that they can become disciples of Jesus and, and learn how to be a disciple of Jesus. That's the first thing every church does. But the other church, the other thing churches do is they try to find what it is that God's doing in the world and then pool their resources, pool their talents, and encourage and equip one another to be part of that work that God is doing in the world. So we do that. We, we do that. Jewel Lake Parish is at work, partnered with people who are trying to make Cameroon a better place through the nursing that, that we're helping to, to provide. We're at work through our denominational connections, trying to make the, the, the United States um, and Alaska better through our denominations, the, the Methodist and Presbyterian denominations. And we're at work here in Anchorage uh, as a church trying to make Anchorage a better place. We're working in children's, children's nutrition. We're lo- working with homeless. We're working with all kinds of problems. There's a list over on the bulletin board in the next building trying to figure out what are the dreams for making the world a better place. And we're trying to be, we're trying to be right now engaged in the work of dreaming how we can make uh, how we can make Sand Lake neighborhood a better place how we can be God's gift 
not just to downtown Anchorage, not just to Cameroon or somewhere in the United States, but right here in our own community. That's the dreams we're trying to pursue here. And I know God has put other dreams in front of you. So I would encourage you, be like Joseph. Be like Joseph. Dream with your eyes open. Change if you must, or however you must. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of looking silly. Follow your dream. Devote yourself to the dream that God has given you so you can make the world a better place so that the land may not perish through the famine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the dreams you have given us, for the dreams we we have with our eyes open. And we pray, Lord, you'd continue to do so. You'd continue to guide us. And through your church, you'd equip us to be part of your saving work in the world. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.